0: Our lives, in my life, oh God, I need great and mighty things done that man cannot do. And Lord, we just thank you and praise you that, Lord, when we call, Lord, you answer. When we call, oh Lord, you heal. When you call, O Lord, you provide. When we call, O Lord, you wipe away the tears. When we call, O Lord, you remove the loneliness. When we call, O Lord, you remove the depression. When we call upon you, O God, great and mighty things you show us. And Lord, we thank you. May you minister to us today through your word. And may we be a people, O Lord, who absorb your word into our life. Help us to be like sponges, O God. That Lord that will take it all in. But Lord, help us not to only be hearers of your word, but Lord, help us, O Lord, to be a people who desire to perform and do your word, O Lord. And Father, as you teach us, Lord, help us, O God, to bring it in and really evaluate ourselves. You tell us to examine ourselves to see if we're really in the faith Lord may we examine ourselves to know oh God how much we love you only way we're going to know Lord how much we truly love you is how much we forsake of this old world only way we're going to know how much we love you Lord is how much we're willing to die to ourselves and live for Christ Lord help us to really evaluate ourselves as we hear your word And may your Holy Spirit, O God, be the one who convicts us. May your Holy Spirit be the one who teaches us. May your Holy Spirit be the one, O God, who draws our attention to the Word. Lord, minister to us, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to continue on in this area of identity. And I want you to recognize that it is your identity. That is so important. And you need to be able to recognize that. That the way in which you behave, the things that you do, have a lot to say about who you are. And you need to recognize that. And oftentimes in this life, we're not willing to recognize how we act. It portrays us as being one who is different. And uh, we need to recognize it. That... Our behavior defines us. By this world, our behavior defines us. As people watch us, they really do say, boy, you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, or you're just a hypocrite. And Usually when people use the word hypocrite, it's only referring to one group of people, those who call themselves Christians. The reason that it is formed that you're a hypocrite is that you're saying one thing, but you're doing what? Yeah, and don't think the unbeliever don't know the word. A lot of unbelievers know more of the word than a lot of Christians. And you'll hear people constantly talk about, "Yeah, I was in church once, or I was in this once, or I read the Bible once, or," but at least they've talked with somebody and they know something about us. The thing that is frightening today among Christians is this: is that we don't care about our behavior. And yet, Paul was very mindful of his behavior. Paul's desire was to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ in his body. That tells me that he was very much aware of his behavior. And Paul understood that he was going to die to himself. That it wasn't going to be Paul. It was going to be Christ that was going to be seen. And I don't know if we've caught that yet today. I have to look at my own life and say the same thing. Am I really living for Christ in this moment? In this moment, am I really living for Christ? Am I really acting like Christ? Am I behaving the way that is pleasing to God in this very moment? And sometimes as Christians we have to just stop ourselves and ask ourselves, what am I portraying? What do I look like to somebody else right at this moment? Because somebody's watching me. Somebody's seeing me. Right? And, and, and the whole thing is that our life is to magnify the Lord, Jim, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be in His image. And God is producing that. God's making that. He says, your behavior reveals your identity. Your behavior reveals your identity. It really does. And in time, it becomes very obvious who you are. If you're a child of Christ, or if you're a child of Satan, of this world. Very obvious. In time, you can fool some of the people some of the time. You can't fool all the people all the time. You're not going to be able to fake it all the time. Don't buy into that saying, fake it till you make it, because you can't fake it. Either it's genuine or it's not. It's the real thing or it's not. Don't deceive yourself, for it says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Don't deceive yourself. If you've got to fall down before God, oh God, search my heart and let me know who I really am. And God will really show you who you are. I have given them my word, the Lord says in his prayer in John 17. He says, I've given them my word, and the world have hated them because they are not of this world. How many of you understand you're just journeying through here? Hey, this is not where you're going to live at eternally. This is just a little stopping point, that's all. You're not going to stay here. If you believe otherwise, just open up the paper and see how many. My brother said he leaving this place because the obituaries are too large here. So he's moving. I don't care where you move. They are not of the world. How many of us have Bought into the things of the world. And we live like the world. We talk like the world. We act like the world. And really, we prefer the world's acceptance over the acceptance of brothers and sisters in the Lord. We, we have fallen a long way because, see, we want the pat and the praises of the world rather than the praises of the church. We want to be heroes in the eyes of the world rather than in the eyes of the saints. we rather be acknowledged by the world than by the church. And he says, they are not of the world. And he goes on, even as I am not of the world, I pray not that... Thy should have taken them out of the world. And a lot of us might be saying, Lord, yes, it would have been so good if you would have taken us out. The moment we accepted you as our Lord and Savior, it would have been great if we could have been raptured up right then. But that's not his plan. That's not his plan. And he goes on, he says... I pray not that Thy should have taken them out of the world, but that Thy should have kept them from the what? Evil. Now, Jesus is saying something here. How many believe there's evilness in the world? See? I think a lot of us don't think there's evilness in the world. Especially the way sometimes we let our children go. See? I guess our children thought we were trying to smother them. We were overly protective, and we were overly this, and we were overly that. The reason was because we knew of the evil that was in the world. And he says, they are not of the world. Catch that again. They are not of the world. God is trying to get something in our minds. The Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, is trying to say something that we're not hearing. We're not of this world. If we're born again, we're not of this world. And because we're not of this world, our behavior should be different. Our mannerism should be different. How we live should be different. If we're not really of this world. Now, he says, you must not do as they do in the Egyptians. We're jumping to the Old Testament now for a few moments. Now, where I'm going, I'm going to Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21, eventually. And we're going to camp there for the next couple of weeks. We're going to break down each one of those words. The first three words in Galatians 19 is basically dealing with the sexual part and the sexual revolution that we're seeing in our culture today. But we want to look and see what scripture says about it also before we even go there. Because even in the Old Testament, God was saying to his people, Be ye holy because I'm holy. God was saying to his people, don't be like the other nations. Don't be like the other nations. Don't be like the people of the world. Even back then, God was saying to his people, you're not like the other folks. And see, we we haven't caught that yet. We're not like the other folks. That are around us. That we live around. We're not like them. And he says to the Israelites. You must not do as they do. Boy, all of us want to do like the Joneses do. And he says, you must not do as they do. In Egypt. Where you used to live. Catch that. That's where you used to live. He says that in Ephesians 2 also, in 2 and 3. You know, you, you used to live like the world. You used to camp out with them folks. You used to act like them folks. You used to, but don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. But on Friday nights and Saturday nights, you can find just as many Christians in the bars as you could find unbelievers. You can find us in the same places. Wouldn't it be something, boy, if the Lord on Sunday morning was to separate what had been out partying on Friday and Saturday and what was getting ready for Him on on Friday at sundown waiting for Sunday? See, See, God sees our behavior at all times. And we're not hiding it from Him. We may be hiding it from other folks but we're not hiding it from God. It's, it's strange how children are. They can act one way, while the parents' eyes are what? But boy, get out of the parents' eyesight, how might they act? And every parent will stand up and tell you, I got a good son, I got a good daughter, I got... You ain't talking about what you see. Other folks are saying... Somebody needs to get hold of that little monster. Right. But but the thing is, is this here. If you truly train your child, that training then brings about limitations. That child will only step out so far. He only does just so much. None of us got perfect kids. I wasn't a perfect child. I doubt you were a perfect individual, are there? You got away from home, you did what? See? But because you were trained and taught, you even had limits though. A friend could only take you just so far. See? And he says, by Egypt, to the Israelites, don't live like they live. Part of the problems with a lot of Christians today, we're living too much like the world. If we get into the Bible, about our finances, we wouldn't have all the credit cards we have because that's a world thing. We wouldn't be in as much debt as we are. That's a world thing. There'd be a lot of things different about us if we really got into the Word because we would live closer to the Word than the world. And he's saying to his children in Israel, you must not do as they do. If we're really born again, we can't do what the world does. And he goes on and says, And and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan. Now he's bringing up another nation around them. Because, see, we're good by going out and saying, That person's not so bad. This group of people is not so bad. And God is saying, Boy, if they're not living according to the word of God, they're bad. And he sets a standard. Do not live as the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. Don't follow their practices. Now understand, a practice may not be legalized. So when we shack up, we're just following somebody else's practice. Not legal, but it's somebody's practice. When we let our foul mouth get going, it's just somebody else's practice. We pick up a lot of things that the world does. And the Lord says, don't practice those things. Don't practice those things. Now, we're going to go through a list of sexual things. I'm not going to be X-rated on it, but I am going to be a little bit more than what I should maybe. Because in our culture today, when you have nine-year-olds being pregnant, something's happening in our culture. A nine-year-old shouldn't be pregnant. A 13-year-old shouldn't be pregnant. An unwed mother or father, either one, shouldn't be having children. So we're in a sexual revolution. And what I want you to understand is this here. Satan knows the weakest part about us, and it's our sexual area. So we're going to hit on that some. And that's why the first three things about the nature in Galatians 5.19, the first three are about sexual issues. But we're going to see what God says in the Old Testament to His people about sexual issues. And I want to tell you something. One of the worst things a mom can do around a young man is walk around the house with her slip-on. One of the worst things that a father can do is let his daughter run around the house with just a slip-on or two months. And especially if there's a young man in the house also. That whole thing called decency has to start in the house. And then it travels outward. And, 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 and see, don't think a brother won't sleep with a sister. And we're going to see some things what God says about this whole thing about sex. Because this sex thing is way out of bounds today. He says you must not live according to the customs of the nations. You don't live in the customs of the na- You don't live like the people of this world. You don't live that way. You're called to live on a higher plane. You're called to live with a higher standard. You're called to live with higher values. problem with us oftentimes as Christians, we don't accept biblical values. We accept worldly standards and values and think we're doing good. And the Lord says, don't accept their customs. And the word custom in in the King James there is, is manners. And he says, I'm not going to drive out before you because they did all these things and I abhorred them. Now, now catch that. God says, I hated all these things. Sometimes we just come to a point, God hates. There's one thing they call abomination. No, God said, I hate all these things in this sexual realm. Understand, gays, lesbians, men with men, whatever you want to call them. It's sin, that's all. It's sin. And God hates it, but he hates all the rest also. He hates all the rest. And he says, I'm going to drive out before you because they did all these things. So the things we're going to look at, people were doing them. It's not a list that he's going to show us that these things were not being practiced. These things were being done. Now, he shows us that also in 1 Corinthians 5, where the young man sleeps with his father's stepmother. So, what he reveals in the Old Testament, he also shows us also in the New Testament. Go with me to Ephesians 2, 3 through 5. Ephesians 2. 3 through 5. He says, All of us also live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful what? There's not a man or a woman sitting out here in this place that was not at one time after their own what? Sinful nature trying to gratify their sinful nature. So when you young folks look at us, old folks, understand we've been where you are. Your emotions is no different than our emotions. Just that ours have gotten older and don't spark up as much maybe. But we've been there. And that's why he allows us to know. All of us. Also live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires. We ran after it. We ran after it. Don't think pastor didn't run after some women. Praise God that God kept him, though. Praise God that God was restrained. And it says... Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in His mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgression. Look where we once were. We were dead where? In our trust. In our transgressions. We were dead in our sins. We were dead in our sex lives. We were dead. And, and the whole process that it was there. And he said, don't be like the nations. Don't be like the world. Don't follow their customs. Don't, don't, don't tie into their mannerism. Don't do their things. Even the lamb was defiled. So I punished it. For his sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. Now what does it mean the land vomited out its inhabitants? The land got sick and tired of the sin that man was doing. The land was reacting. Nature's reacting to the sin of man. that is doing something against man. Wouldn't it be something that we could really take a good look at some of these places where storms and floods and different things had taken place to see what was going on? And how floods came or winds came or this came. He says, boy, the land was tired of our sin." There comes a point that even the land now, because in Romans 8, it talks about the land groaning like a woman in pregnancy. That the land is going to get tired of our sin. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out. And as it vomits out the nations that were before you. That the land gets tired of our sinfulness. On the way to church today, I was listening on the radio, and the news was declaring that this year, if the farmers can't hurry up and plant, we're going to have a shortage of food quite a bit. The largest that we've ever known in the United States. And the land doesn't produce the crops that we have need of, what's going to happen? The prices of things. You think the land itself may be getting tired of our sin? Boy, I can't even begin to even picture that, but yet scripture is saying it, That even the land gets sick. Of the way that we act. And the way that we behave. And the land would vomit. Just just think about it. When when you vomit. It's because something has went in here. That doesn't what? Agree with what? And it just got to come what? And what he's saying. The land don't even agree with what? Man is doing. That it will spew Man. we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, Romans 8.22. Because the way that we act, we cause the land to even be sick of us and groan. Why? When you get into Leviticus 18 and 20, it, it I'm saying the Lord must be, because he says what he says in 18, he says it again in 20. But we're just going to run through them real, real quick. In Leviticus 18, says, it says, sleep not with father or mother. Who is he referring to? The children. The children. Remember Lot's daughters? Who did they sleep with? Don't think that just because that's your son that you can't look a certain way if you handle yourself a certain way that you won't cause his mind to think of you in some other way other than just mother. Don't think, dads, if you flirt and play around with your daughters too much that they won't think other ways. That will happen. That's why a father always has to be a father. And at a certain point for fathers, it's good not to really touch or handle your daughters in certain ways, but hug them properly, let them know you love them. But your hands have to always be where? Where they should be, even as a father. And he says... Sleep not with father and mother. Now remember what he said earlier, that these things were already being practiced. They were already being done. So it's not that the Lord is saying these things might happen. These things is what happened among sinful people. Incest. How could that ever happen? How could it happen that a mother would allow a father to sleep with the daughter knowing it? That was just in the paper a few days ago about a mother. Don't sleep with father or mother. Then father's wife, second wife, talking to the son, don't even think about sleeping with your father's wife, whether it be your original mother or if it be the stepmother. So in 1 Corinthians 5, we see the young man sleeping with the stepmother. Sister or half-sister. You don't sleep with them. That ain't my sister. We don't have the same mother. What dangers have we have put in homes where this child is of this father and this child is of this father or this child of this one? Well, that's not really my sister. They don't have the same father. They don't have the same mother. And then you begin to see things happening. Why do you think in the United States we even had to make laws stating you could not marry until a certain bloodline? Because there was things going on in this country that shouldn't have been going on. And it came from England, because from over in England, a lot of the royalties, married first, second cousins, brothers. We think this sexual thing is something new. Satan has been using sex for years against them. It's his number one weapon. And he says, you don't sleep with your sister or your half-sister. Then he goes on, he says, thy son's daughters, who is who? The granddaughters. Grandpa sleeping with the granddaughter? We wouldn't think of that. What God is trying to show us is man at his worst. Man having no knowledge of him, no restraints. How far man will go. Don't sleep with aunt, father's sister, aunt, mother's sister, your uncle's wife, your father's brother's wife, your son's wife, your daughter in law. Well, she's not my daughter. She's foxy. Ooh, she's looking good. Well, that's your son's wife. Well, he won't mind. We can allow Satan to talk to us in all kind of ways. And we wind up hearing him. But, well, well they having problems anyhow. They're going to divorce anyhow. You don't sleep with your son's wife. That's your daughter-in-law. Your brother's wife. Well, she's grown. I'm grown. We both consented. How about your brother? How about how he might feel? What he might think? We take sex so lightly and not seeing the damage that it can do. The pain that it can bring. The hurt that it brings. Strange women and her daughters Now, in the New Testament, in Galatians 21, it says the word orgy. Orgy, more than one. And today, we're seeing more of that. Orgies are taking place among kids in high school because it's just a recreational thing. And it's happening. And it's happening with real young. Even to the point that at Bookville, well, I don't want to name too many in the school, they had to start looking at the Board of Education because the girls were wearing certain color lipsticks that would leave a certain color on the mark of the young man's heart. And then what they would do is measure who could get most of his into their mouth, and the lipstick color was what they marked it by. Yeah. And more of that is showing up. We call it orgy. They have another name for it. Your wife's sister. Well, she's not my wife. She's just my wife's sister. You know? And she's not married, and she's still your wife's sister. Right. Did it happen in the New Testament? Remember the one that John the Baptist was chewing out? That's your brother's what? Wife? Thy neighbor's wife. It's not good to look over the fence too often. It got David in trouble from the balcony. Well, that's a foxy little thing over there, you know. Well, my wife's out shopping. Her husband's at work. Who gonna know? Once something gets started, the guilt that comes in, the shame that comes in, and how do you stop it even? Once it gets started, And eventually, the damage that it really does. Look at what happened between David and the damage that he caused by looking off his balcony rather than going back in. Even if you're next door to somebody real close, the way they have houses today, don't be turning your lights out trying to see what might walk past in the hallway or in their bedroom, if their rooms are a certain way. you got to govern yourself. you got to govern yourself. Then he says, men sleeping with man. Now, we say, boy, that's bad, man. Women sleeping with men, it's sin. It was happening. It was going on, and it's still going on. Men or women with animals. You say that's deplorable. That won't happen. There's a certain time of the month that animals pick up the scent of a woman. More so than any other time. And the male animal will respond to that. The male animal will respond. Men will sleep with sheep. Because it's documented that the sheep is the closest thing to a woman. Our minds... And our sexual fantasies will take us places where we would never go if God did not restrain it. He didn't put these things up here just to shame us. He put them up there. Because remember what it already said? These things were being what? Practiced. And if they were being done then, don't think they're not being done Now, I don't want to know what happened to that lady that, remember the monkey who attacked her friend? But that monkey had become so territorial over its owner, that even when a friend approached the wrong way, the monkey attacked. Vestality. Some of the stuff that we see... Or magazines as you go through the store. It's just hideous. Do not defile yourself in any of those ways. Because this is how the nations that I am going to drive out before you became defiled. So God is warning us. Don't be like the nations. Don't practice what the world practiced. Don't practice what other people are practicing. Don't, don't do those things. Why? You defile yourself. And eventually, I've got to even come against you. And he calls it defilement. In Galatians five nineteen through 21, the list which mirrors the life of people in the world without Jesus And remember who Paul is speaking to. He's speaking to Christians. And maybe the church isn't speaking enough about sex. Or we're we're speaking it, but we're not really being explicit. We're not really explaining ourselves. Something's going on that what's taking place in our culture is way out of bounds. But... it falls into four areas. The list which mirrors the life of people in the world without Jesus fall into basically four groups. Or our sinful nature falls into four groups. Number one, the sexual sins. And we see that taking place constantly. Even in advertisement. You can't even sell anything without having a woman or whatever. What is shown on Sunday magazines for Pennies and Sears, years ago, used to be totally outlawed. Because you couldn't have a woman up there with just a bra on and panties on. That was Playboy. But now it's all legal and we see it. And don't think your young kids don't respond to that. They do. Your young boys respond to it. And it gets in their mind. And that curiosity begins to run. And don't think a little eight, nine-year-old doesn't start if he don't have someone to help really teach him, train him about his body, the same way with a young lady. Boy, then the experiment starts. You cannot start too young talking to your children about sex. And the privacy of their bodies. You can't start too early. And the respect of their own bodies. You can't start too early. If they don't respect their bodies, somebody else is going to disrespect it. Amen. And that's the young boys also. Evie Hill, I love one of his sermons because it's talking about Joseph. The young man. If young men, if you can't hold on to your pants... Some young lady going to have them. you got to be able to hold on to your pants, young man, if you're going to be godly. The second part is false worship or idolatry. And the part that we're seeing in that today, sorcery, what the King James uses also, the real word is drugs. So we see this drug act academic in our society. Don't think drugs is something new. It isn't. It's something that Satan has been using all down through the ages. So sex and drugs is his two main weapons to destroy us. And we see the destruction that takes place in those two things. Sex and drugs. And it's, it's strange if you get with a psychologist a He'll tell you, the same little area in the brain in which gets hooked on the drugs and enlarge is the same area for sex. Therefore, when the drugs become more powerful, even for the male or the woman, sex is no longer desired because the drug is. Because in this area it does not get the same excitement that the sex used to bring that now the drugs is bringing. And it is the drugs and the sex that hits the same area in the brain that just explodes. (laughs) Woo! You know. And all the excitement takes place in the same area. But when the drugs become more so, then you'll find even the man does no longer desire the sex, he desires the drug. And you find the same thing with the woman, she desires the drug, and therefore she'll do anything with her body to be able to get the drugs. It's not the sex any longer that excites her, it's getting the drugs that becomes the exciting thing. And Satan uses those two areas. Very powerfully, even today now in our culture. Now, what we don't like to hear, and young ladies don't like to hear, and young men don't like to hear, and it applies to both, you're whorish. Well, we don't use that word anymore. And all that means you're going from one person to another person to another person. And you cannot be holy, you cannot be a child of God, going out, being a whoreish person, laying with everybody that wants to lay with you, sleeping around. That is not the identity of a Christian. And those who say that they're Christians and live in such a way, God even says, you're lying. But then, as the church, we got to learn what we celebrate. We don't celebrate whorishness. We don't celebrate fornication. We don't celebrate adultery. We don't celebrate, in the Bible, when you look it up, it's a bastard child. A child had a wedlock. It used to be even on the birth certificate. The issue was either a bastard child or illegitimate child. Well, we've done done away with that because we don't want to shame anybody. We want to make everybody equal the same way the gays are saying now. But we've taken away certain standards and certain things that now everything just blends in. The next thing I'm looking for is this here. If we can legalize two women marrying, and we can legalize two men marrying, what is it to stop us from legalizing two 10-year-olds from marrying? If the two 10-year-olds say, I want to do it, what's going to stop them? You let the 10 to 15-year-olds say, these are my rights. What's going to stop them? And you got kids going into court divorcing their parents. What's going to stop them? Or you got parents who are saying, Y'all can have them. Well, what's going to stop them? Even in California, the judge learned something after years of the no spank rule. And it's thing about California, they reinstituted it. Yeah, you can spank. Why? The judges found out in California quicker than anywhere else. If the child won't obey the father and the mother, the judge definitely don't frighten the child. Judge doesn't mean a thing. If the child doesn't really have a respect and a care and a reverence for dad and mom, and see, we try to reverse that, we try to make it as though the highest authority in a child's life would be the judge. And even parents were threatening them. I'll just put you before the judge. I, I'll, I'll just send you to the court. No. I better not say what I'm thinking. But, <laughs> but, 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 but the whole thing boils down. If mom and dad loses the authority... In a child's life, nobody else can bring that child into authority. Nobody. And that whole area of idolatry and drugs or false worship, and that's what we have a lot of today. Then friction, in-house fighting. That's the anger, the wrath. The envy, the jealousy that we're going to break down those words on and so forth. That's the friction that takes place. Now, sad part about that, we see that in the church today. We see it in the homes. Satan is destroying the homes because of all the in-house fighting that's going on. If the two become one. Faith, how often do you hear me yell in my home? Tyler, how do you hear me yell? I decided one thing in my marriage. Elaine and I are not going to yell at each other. That doesn't mean our voice may not go up a notch. But we're not going to have a yelling match. Second thing in my home. She's not going to cuss at me, and I'm not going to cuss at her. We're not going to have that in this home. We're not going to fight each other physically. That's not going to happen. We're going to be able to speak the truth to each other, even though sometimes it hurts. We're going to be able to speak the truth to each other. Because if we don't, then we have that. In-house fighting. In-house fighting destroys children. In-house fighting causes children to be insecure. In-house yelling causes children to do this. In-house yelling and arguing frightens the child that they don't even know how to communicate and they don't know which one to communicate with. It damages the child. Same thing happens in the church. When the church gets to yelling at each other, the weaker ones don't want to say a thing. When the jealousy takes place in the church, it tears it up. The envy in the church, it tears it up. And Satan knows how to play on those things very well. And he says, oh, that's part of the sinful nature. We're going to talk about the sinful nature, and then we take the second part, the uh, gifts. And I've got to be careful, too, because they are the fruits of the Spirit that is in the person to help build that person's character to look more like Christ, which is different than the gifts of the body that is spoken about in Romans 12 and Second, and, and second Corinthians. I'm sorry, First Corinthians 12. Totally given. Those are described as the gifts of the Spirit, Over here in Galatians, it is the fruit of the Spirit that is totally different now. And we're going to talk about those when we get into them. But he says, then the third thing is the appetite. Greed is one of them. When is enough enough? Greed for alcohol, greed for the drugs, greed for the sex, greed for this woman, that woman, this woman over here. Got to have this, got to have that. All out of control. And that's what leads into the word orgy. Because one woman's not enough anymore. You got to have two women. Two women not enough. We got to have three. Then after that, we got to have a, another man come in. And we got to have this happening and that happening. Now tell me what would happen to the church if we were like the Temple of Diana. We wouldn't have enough room. Because in the Temple of Diana, free sex was taking place. Orgies were taking place. You think we could pack this place if everybody knew we would having an orgy on Sunday morning? You think we could pack this place if everybody hung their clothes out right outside there? For a while, there was a bar up on North Akron where you went with your wife, and the intention was, when you went into that bar, the intention was, your wife was to find another partner for that night, and you were to find another partner for that night. So when you stepped into that place, they already knew you were there to do what? Make an exchange. It's already taking place. It's already taking place. And a lot of us, yeah, we kind of close our eyes to it. But the Bible says, open your eyes and look at the reality of the sinfulness of man. The side on the left and the ones on the right is what is in Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. The right side is the King James Version. The left side is the NIV version. It starts off with, on the NIV, sexual immorality. It doesn't mention adultery, sexual immorality. It covers adultery and fornication. Impurity. is just uncleanness. And as we get into that word, we're going to understand that it's an uncleanness in that which God cannot use you. For some reason, we think God would just use anything. God won't use just anything. God has a requirement. And when you go back in the Old Testament and look at the requirement of the priesthood, and in Peter, he says that we are royal priests. Those requirements are there as far as holiness and purity, because we are the priest of the living God. And there's a cleanness that should be about us. Because we're not of the world. Debauchery, lasciviousness in King James, idolatry, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, hatred, discord, variance, jealousy. Emulation, rage, wrath, selfish, ambition, strife, dissension, seduction, faction, heresy, envy, envy, and murder, drunkenness, drunkenness, orgy, rivalry. He used these words to alert us to the danger of our sinful nature. Of our sinful nature. And what's in us if the Holy Spirit is not there to tame it, to squash it, to give you the strength and the power to control it? That sinful nature in us would run rapid. But because of the Holy Spirit who He has given unto us, People say, well, what's the difference between the Christian and the unbeliever? The word of God in the believer and the Holy Spirit who restrains. There's a difference. There's a difference between a person who is saved and a person who is not saved. There's a difference. And don't never think there isn't a difference. And people who run around who want to act like the world... They don't have the Holy Spirit. And they can say all they want, I'm a Christian. But the word makes it very clear. If you have not the Spirit, you're none of His. Now that doesn't mean we don't slip because First John says, Boy, if we sin, we have an advocate with who? With the Father. We don't live in the sin. We don't continue to sin. We recognize that it's sin. And there becomes something in the Christian that loves the Lord more than the sin. Sexual immorality and adultery of fornication. Let's pick up next week. I'm looking at the clock. We'll pick up here next, next week as we start to define them. You can't start early enough speaking to your children, your grandchildren, about the danger of sex. Nor can you start policing yourself in such a way that you don't warp your child's mind. A young boy just sees legs. Legs don't matter if they mama's legs, grandma's legs, sister's legs, whose legs, who's behind it is. That young boy ain't putting no, he's just looking from here down. That young girl, she's just worried about how she's being treated and touched and being related to. But the person who's doing the, the relating has to be very careful that they are relating properly. Properly, properly. A young, uh, a young girl tell me about her little three, four year old son still like to play around with her breath. No, he getting too old. He too old. He need to wing off something. Something need to happen there. See? People, we are in a sick world when it comes to this area of sex that we think we can control, and we're learning we can't control it. But God can. God can. God can. Every little man needs to learn about his feelings, he needs to learn about his emotions. He needs to learn about his little thing rising up and falling. He needs to learn about it so that he can control it. Young girls need to learn about touch and what areas of touch arouses and so forth. Need to learn. Why? If we don't, even as Christians, we're going to fall into all this junk that the Lord's talking about. It's serious. And the destruction that is going on, we don't even see it. Tony sees it a lot more than me because she's right in juvenile. But listen to what Governor Casey said in his state message. We have to funnel more money towards our prisons to begin to separate our men and our women because of the sex that's going on in our prisons, whether it be men or women. Juvenile, Juvenile is out of control. We know that. We have a work to do. First in our homes, then outside of our homes. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your word. That Lord, that as a pastor, I don't have to come and just think of things to say to people, but just dig into your word. And then allow your word to speak. For everything that was shown today comes directly out of your word. And it talks about the sinful nature. It talks about man. Help us to really see who we are. And to understand that our behavior identifies us. Our behavior says that we are people of the world or we are people of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to understand That you have called us, Lord, to a higher plane. To live far above the standards of this world. Men and women have the responsibility to be virgins until they're married. We both have the responsibility of keeping our minds clean. And our conscience clean before you. And we are not a people of this world if we say that we are born again. We are different. Though we struggle and though we fight. And the scripture says that the spirit will fight against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. But Lord, may we, O God, be a people who yield to your spirit and not to the flesh.